Hello and welcome to the FilmPulse.net podcast. This is episode number 78. My name is Adam. With me today we have Ernie. How are you doing, Ernie? I am doing good, Adam. How's it going? Uh, it's going pretty good. Uh, we have a pretty light show this week. Kevin's on vacation, so we'll just be reviewing The Canyons, directed by Paul Schrader. And we'll be talking about some of what we've been watching, and finally we'll be going over this week's movie predictions and DVD and Blu-ray releases. Let's just start off by jumping right into the canyons. What do you say? Okay, let's 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 do it. Let's dive. Let's dive into the canyons. Uh, so this it, this is currently playing on demand, but I think that it is playing in select cities. Is it playing there where you're at? Um, I'm guessing it is. Uh, for some reason, I think it's playing a few theaters out here, but I'm not sure. Okay. I, th- I think it is playing in some theaters, but either way, uh, it's directed by Paul Schrader, written by Brett Easton Ellis, stars Lindsay Lohan and James Dean. I have a, a synopsis here. When Christian, an L.A. trust fund kid with casual ties to Hollywood, learns of a secret affair between Tara and the lead of his film project, Ryan, he spirals out of control and his cruel mind games escalate into... An act of bloody violence. Now, I have a review up on the site for this, so we'll start with you, Ernie. What did you think of the canyons? Ah, uh, the canyons. Um, considering the pedigree behind this, Schrader and Ellis, they more to this movie than face value. Because at face value, this really isn't a good movie. <laughs> I was like, I was, as I'm watching, there's all, there's like all these, the photos of the cine, of the uh, abandoned theaters and broken down theaters. What is all this talk about movies? What is all this interaction between these characters? Watch really as the movie progresses, you don't don't get two shits about these people. So like I'm thinking, there's got to be more to this. Yeah. And uh, and when it adds, and it's like I was thinking, maybe this is like a metaphor for the state of cinema now i'm like you're looking at dead cinema and this is all you're left with i mean they're like asking do you like movies and like breaking the fourth wall here and there they're looking directly at you when they're talking and like are they addressing me or something and then uh then the part with gus van zandt playing the psychologist a a pretty uh well-established director and like and then he's talking uh james dean's character is talking about uh, losing control because i don't have control i'm like is he talking about being a director but I'm like I'm trying to as I'm watching the movie and piecing it all together, I'm like thinking there's got to be more to this, like as a metaphorical thing, because overall it's just like it was a stupid movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it is it is a stupid movie. It's I I find it to be at, I thought it was horrible. Like I didn't even think I was going to be able to finish it. It was that bad, and and I didn't have very high expectations. But uh, to go back to what you were saying about the the symbolism and how like they keep showing the abandoned movie theaters and stuff. Yes. I think that it is supposed to be a metaphor to say that like we're, we're living in a, a post theatrical world and that these types of people are the ones that ruin cinema and, and <laughs> all that stuff. And, and you could take it even further. And I, and I've, some people have taken it further and said that the entire film itself is uh, basically feeding into this idea. You know, it's it's supposed to be bad. I guess they're saying, but I don't. I don't agree with that. I don't think it is supposed to be bad. I think it's supposed to be good, and it fails miserably. 
Yeah, that's why I'm thinking that because of the people involved. I mean, Schrader's made some great films, and American Psycho was great. And I mean, I never read the book or Less Than Zero, but both of those movies were really good. So I'm like thinking they had had to have some sign of kind of agenda to this movie because it's like acting is bad across the board. It's oh, like God. Um, um, situations just don't feel organic at all. The dialogue is is stilted. I mean, some of the conversations that they're having dinner, I'm like, this is just so, so overwrought. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, is there, is there something more to this? It's like, I, I started. I don't know. <laughs> so I started watching this with my my girlfriend, and she got up and left in the first scene she's like nope i cannot do this the that opening scene at, at the dinner and they're like that pretty much sets the stage right of how this movie's gonna be it's mm-hmm. some of the worst acting i've seen i mean i see a lot of similarities between this movie and the room i really do <laughs> like i believe it or not i have not seen the room and it's always playing out here at midnight so <laughs> go see the room and you'll see the similarities between the two mm, yeah. it's it's the acting is some of the worst i've ever seen and going back to what you're saying about when they break the fourth wall they do it quite a bit and it is so jarring and it just instantly pulls you out of it it's horrible visually this movie is a piece of shit it looks <laughs> like i don't know what kind of camera they used but it looks awful i, mean, I don't yeah, know what you yeah. thought about the visuals but i thought um, it was terrible Living in LA, I've recognized a lot of the landmarks that they used. And when I see it, when I'm watching a movie, I go in and try to clean slate. But if the movie ends up being bad, I start getting nitpicky. I start really go focusing on things I probably shouldn't be focusing on. But you know, remember in the movie, they went to Amoeba Records, which is a very huge record store out here in LA. It's like like the mecca of classic records purchases. That place on a weekday, on a slow day, is never that empty. <laughs> I'm like, it's like, oh yeah, the uh, the video section, which I'm always in. I'm like, why is there nobody there? I was like initially thinking it was a dream sequence or something. I'm like, oh, they are shopping. I'm like, there's nobody there. Okay, they're all extras. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this is not real at all. Amiibo would never be that empty. And like, and then now I'm like focusing on other things and the whole, all kinds of stuff. It's like just like, hmm. maybe that's uh-huh. another maybe that's another thing that we're trying to do, like make it obvious that this is a movie and. Uh, well, and then that's that's the other thing that I mentioned in my review. Like some people are saying that that it's supposed to look the way it does visually. It's supposed to look kind of empty and bland and boring because that's supposed to reflect their lives and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. But what I say in the review is, if it looked great, if it if this was like a visual masterpiece, like mm-hmm. if if it had some of the best cinematography you know we've seen ever. Would we be saying, uh, probably should have looked a little bit worse to reflect well, the... I think the only, their only attempt at real cinematography and look was the four-way around the middle of the movie. <laughs> yeah, that was... Like, I thought that that was ridiculous, like, okay, too. Like, okay. Uh, there, were, there were a couple framing, yeah. framing choices that they used in the movie that I thought looked pretty pretty interesting and there was one tracking shot that I kind of liked where it was the one with Ryan and it was following him through that uh building when he went to talk to that is it like oh, a hotel? The, uh, the hotel yeah yeah I thought that that was fine but it was like those little it was those little elements that there really wasn't that many of them and it certainly wasn't enough to make up for everything else being bad I mean the writing wasn't terrible 
but just the the delivery of Lindsay Lohan and James mm. Dean, <laughs> they I mean they completely yeah, was, ruined whatever were, kind of script they that were was. Bad. Yeah, again, it's like I don't know if that really is their extent of their acting ability. I mean, I, I mean to be honest, I can't remember. I say like Parent Trap was the last legitimate Lindsay Lohan acting movie I've ever seen. I mean, I never saw um, I Know Who Killed Me or. Uh, or the love bug or whatever. She was in uh she was in the first machete for a little bit. Yeah, I saw machete, but I don't even remember her. <laughs> yeah. Uh so, yeah, I think th- I look at this movie as a failed experiment. That's that's how I look at it. I think that I'm a huge fan of uh, well, I'm a I'm a relative fan of Paul Schrader. I love ta- Taxi Driver is one of my all-time favorite movies, like Raging uh-huh. Bull, American Gigolo. But uh, Brett Easton Ellis, I'm I'm a very big fan of. I read almost all his books, seen all his all the movies that were adapted. So I'm a huge fan of him, and mm-hmm. I, I love um, I love the, these kinds of movies. I like movies about shallow these shallow lives and decadence, and you know the the uh, the pitfalls of having fortune and all that stuff. Like I like those kinds of movies, mm-hmm. but I could not get on board with this movie at all. I just, it was boring. <laughs> like I, I thought that the, <laughs> the symbolism was so heavy handed, but at the same time it went nowhere. Like mm-hmm. it, it, it almost felt like, cause there were a few, there are a few deliberate lines that you mentioned earlier about the, the whole cinema thing. And then other than that, they had these like, you know, title cards come up Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah. And yeah. it was almost as if that was just an excuse to show another picture of a, a busted down theater. And and the photographs looked great. Don't get me wrong about mm-hmm. that, but they, it felt so unnecessary and right out of place. Definitely. Like I did, I didn't, I didn't find the connection between these people because first of all, I was never sure of what they did. They never do. They even ever say what they're involved with um, with, with the movie. I think they mention uh, Christian's character is the producer, and I think they mentioned uh, I can't remember Lindsay Lohan's character's name that she was an actress but pulled out to do something else. And uh, that's all I remember. So I guess that's all. You, that's shorthand wise, I guess that's all you need. Okay, they're producers. They're Hollywood types. That's all you need. And, uh, so. And see that that was one of the things. Like, if if this is supposed to be uh, a message to Hollywood, or you know, supposed to be like a, a uh, foreshadowing of things to come with young Hollywood, mm-hmm. you would think that there would be some more involvement with the two characters and the industry, because really all you see in the movie is them laying around the house. And bringing people over and having sex with people, and mm-hmm. and that's it. And like you know the the big the big crescendo of when Christian gets violent or whatever yeah. feels so weird. It's like yeah, w- why is this happening? I don't understand. It's almost like they needed something just to uh, jar the audience awake. Because <laughs> like, well, what am I? What's going on here? But um, I went in completely cold on this movie. I knew of it. I mean. And I heard read stories about it, but I never seen the trailer. And then it was like, okay, and just sat down and watched it. I'm like, okay, what's going on here? And then it's like, this is getting tedious. 
Yeah. And uh, I was like, oh, when's, where's this going? I kept asking, where, where's this going? And I was like, and the whole through line of Christian's jealousy, I just didn't buy into because they didn't establish. I didn't buy that these two were, quote unquote, in love, right. even though exactly. they say. It. I'm like, they're like, whatever. <laughs> and and like, was... okay. And then he just explodes. Like, uh, where'd that come from? Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, they, they allude to the fact that he has some sort of emotional issues because of him being required to see the psychiatrist um, in order to keep his trust from his father. But, I mean, they never really explore. In fact, they don't really explore why these characters are the way they are at all. I mean, they're completely empty and you don't have any sort of attachment to these people at all. None of them. I mean, Ryan, all like the secondary characters included. Mm-hmm. Like you don't care if any of them get killed, or it's just I cared so little about what was happening on the screen that you know, and, and the whole shoehorning in of this metaphor, I I found it to be like it, it was almost as if it was trying to be pretentious, but it was mm-hmm. just silly. I mean, it was just a joke, like. If Paul Schrader is trying to say like this is this is what's happening to Hollywood, I feel like he's playing into that. Like I feel like this is part of that, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that the people involved with producing movies—that's only one thing. I mean, the other thing is bad movies. Like, yeah, bad movies cannot be good for Hollywood, and this is a bad movie. Yeah, you can make bad movies and they'll still make money, but this was just flat out bad, and no one's going to go see it. <laughs> no, but but uh, I'm sure reputation alone, people just go see it in droves. Maybe it'll be a new cult hit. I mean, I maybe the only that. maybe the only reason people want to go see it is because Lola well, gets naked. I mean, that's <laughs> well, that's not not because she gets naked, but I wanted to see this and I wanted to review it this week because I thought it would be fun. I thought it'd be fun to watch. I knew it wasn't going to be good. Give me a break, <laughs> but. At the same time, I thought, oh, maybe it, it just sounded like on paper. It's just such a weird concept that I was like, I have to see what this what this, uh, you know, turns out to be. And when I when I when you told me about it and I was like, OK, we're going we're gonna to check this out. And I'm like, I didn't like I said, I didn't do much reading up on it. And I'm like, all right, what is this? And I looked on the Schrader. I'm like, no, my I'm I'm intrigued. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And then I'm like, I don't know where Schrader went. I mean, um, I never saw it, but um, several years ago, Milo, not Milos Forn, um, directed The Killing Fields. Roland Joffe did that horror movie, Captive, Captor, what it's called, can't remember. But it was uh, Roland Joffe, and it was a a thriller, horror thriller about a girl who's kept captive. <laughs> People were just calling it probably one of the most atrocious movies they ever saw. Oh, I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I think it is called captive it's with um shit and i can't even remember the girl's name but yeah i i saw it i, I know what you're talking yeah. about and it was like something like that i was like this came from roland joffy i'm like really like what what the hell happened to him and i guess you could almost say the same here about schrader like because uh last i looked at the last really good movie did a couple movies did was autofocus and affliction yeah well i think that again i i'm hoping that this is just a failed experiment. I mean, they used, I think they used Kickstarter to fund it, mm. uh, at least in part. There, uh, The other thing I wanted to mention was the music I thought was really bad in this, like really cheesy music. 
there was just no style to it you know with that's ring a bell (laughs) with a movie like this it demands a lot of style and i just felt like there was nothing stylish about this i mean can you imagine if this looked more like only god forgives or something like that Hmm. like i think that it would have a a bigger impact i don't know although if it looked as good as god forgives i think the movie will still suck (laughs) yeah although uh that acting boy that acting and i can't get by that and i'm see i'm not the type of person that gets hung up on acting at all mm. i can easily forgive bad acting mm-hmm. but when it is so overtly horrible like this which is really funny because yeah. i was looking at some other reviews on this and salon which mm. i'm not a big fan of salon but they wrote a glowing review of it and their mm. their little uh, pull quote is no I'm not kidding Paul Schrader's The Canyons is flawed and cold but Lohan is amazing <laughs> and I'm like thinking to myself either A we didn't see the, the same movie or B they're like being paid to do to write this or yeah. something yeah, it's like seeing um, me trying to make a glowing review of A Good Day to Die Hard I'm like <laughs> it's impossible sorry yeah I just I don't know what they what they saw in it. I mean, compared to some of the other people in this, she wasn't as bad, but she was still horrible. I would even go so far as they even Gus Van Sant doesn't escape the criticism. <laughs> I said uh, I think his, in my, his, his, uh, his deliveries were like kind of flat. <laughs> in my review, I said that that Gus Van Sant is the best character in this movie, and what does that what does that say? Because he's not even an actor. <laughs> I guess it would be too much of a generalization. It's like, what do you expect from uh, porn stars to to try to go go uh, legit? But I'm pretty sure there have been porn stars who've crossed over and actually turned out to be pretty good actors, like Sasha Gray or something like that. Yeah, Sasha Gray's not too bad. Didn't Sylvester Stallone do some porn early in his career too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure but he, he, he usually doesn't admit to that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and someone like Wes Craven, who actually was a director in porn. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, there. I think that it is very difficult to cross over, and I think that is. I'm pretty sure that this is James Dean's first like major role. I, mm-hmm. I can see him getting better. Like I can see him becoming a legitimate actor if, if he gets the right, if he takes the right path. But mm-hmm. I mean, he should definitely chalk this one up as being a practice run. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I think it was gonna be in that steampunk movie that uh yeah he was he's producing that oh he's producing he's not yeah he's not in it Mm. overall i would say the canyons is a colossal failure yeah probably uh say even if you're curious the hour and 40 minutes are gonna feel long and you may not even finish it (laughs) yeah and i would say that the 6.99 it costs to rent is still too high (laughs) <laughs> that, that's, uh, that, that's yeah. my that's my thing so i gave this a 1.5 out of 10 what are you what are you gonna say on this um i'd probably give it about a 2 out of 10 there but you have but it. but if it turned out to be exactly what i'm thinking schrader's doing then i might give it like a, maybe a 4 out of 10 but well but yeah he's but, yeah see i get i i get what he's trying to do i just don't think it works I think that if he got decent actors involved mm. and had some better cinematography, I think then then we might 
might mm. be there with it, but I just don't think it works. Yeah. Just not buying into it. So. But then again, we may be all far off, and he's like, oh, what I intended. I'm like, oh, man, that, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that there's always a possibility of that. But here's the thing. I don't care what this film is supposed to represent. It It's not going to work because of the cinematography and the acting. Mm-hmm. It could have yeah. the greatest message. It could have the best, you know, symbolism ever. And I still yeah. would not. I'd still be like, well. It's still a bad movie. Sorry. And uh, face value, it's a bad movie. But when you try to read between the lines, you're probably just going to give yourself a headache. So probably don't bother. <laughs> yeah. There you have it. Uh, go ahead and skip the canyons. If you want to read my review in full, you can just head over to filmpulse.net. It's up there. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to some of what we've been watching. Ernie, do you want to start it off this week? Haven't been watching too many of the new stuff. Haven't had the time, but I did take the time to watch some classic stuff on the big screen. I uh, went to see Peck and Paws the Wild Bunch. Oh. Um, anytime I have the chance to see that, it was like one of my all-time favorite westerns. And um, and when they screen it in 35mm, that's even more rare because... Uh, uh, repertoire cinemas are moving towards uh, DCP, uh, digital cinema package uh, presentations now. But um, yeah, that's if you've never seen The Wild Bunch, and shame on you if you out there listening have never. <laughs> you yeah, got to get on that. So, but uh, it's basically it's a man's movie. I was like, uh, <laughs> I was like basically just listening to some lines. One of my favorite lines from some uh, John Ryan's like saying is like uh, talking to his. Uh, this team that he's stuck with because he's hunting down uh, William Holden and the wild bunch. And he's stuck with these like idiots. And as I say, he's like, if you guys fuck up again, I'm just going to let him kill you. and I'm going to go join them. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Like, I really can use that in real life. <laughs> so, yeah. The, but, uh, the interesting thing about the wild bunch is that that, that was pretty violent. I mean, that came out in like 69 or was it 69? Uh, yeah, there? I believe it's 6970. Uh, when that came out, I mean, I remember that, that, uh, well, I don't remember, obviously mm-hmm. I wasn't born yet, but yeah. I remember reading that that was a pretty, pretty violent, like people were very up in arms about the level mm-hmm. of violence in that movie. Yeah. It's, um, at the time I believe it was rated X, but I think it's now R, but in, compared to nowadays level of violence, it's, it's pretty tame, but, um, I would say with on the uh, flip side, you're not going to get as much story and character with your violence as you do in the wild much. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then um, just to maintain the classics besides wild bunch, I went to see Friday the 13th part seven, the new blood. <laughs> nice. And believe it or not, the theater almost sold out. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and um, that was, that was actually pretty entertaining seeing with an audience. It was like uh, actually a lot of fun. I mean, it's cheesy as hell, but entertaining to see with a group. Okay, no, no. Let me let me think about this because I I've seen all of the Friday the Thirteenth. The New Blood is that the one after the one with Corey Feldman? Um, New Blood is after Jason Lives. It's like three movies after uh, Corey Feldman's movie. Okay, there was so a, there, there was, was the final chapter which had Feldman. Then there was the New Beginning that was the fifth one. Then Jason Lives is where he becomes a zombie, and that's the sixth one. And then Part Seven, uh, New Blood. I don't remember that one. It's the uh, one where with the girl with the psychic powers. Oh God, I do now. Yeah, that was ridiculous. It was. It was, it was just entertaining. 
I think I think Jason takes Manhattan is still my favorite. But really? Yeah, I that that, that one is kind of... it's so ridiculous. I like it after after part six when he gets when he goes cra- like when it gets really supernatural and ridiculous. Mm-hmm. That's when I start liking it because I think there was a scene. I think it was part six. There's the scene where he zipped the person up in the uh, the sleeping bag and smashed yeah. him against the tree. Uh, no, no, actually, it was that was in seven. Was it in yeah. seven? Yeah, and um, they had the editor there for Q and A, and he was talking about how that. That part was the most maligned by the MPAA that they really had to cut everything down. And uh, he said that um, that scene, and in, in, as it is in the theatrical cut, is just one hit and dead. But in, in the original cut, he was like flinging her into the tree like seven times <laughs> until she was like a bloody pulp. <laughs> and they just had to keep cutting it and cutting and cutting and cutting and cutting until it was the way it is now. I'm like, wow, oh, that sucks. <laughs> Yeah, it says on uh, the IMDb page for Part 7, it says that it is rated X. That's interesting. Hmm. But they've never released an unrated version of it, so yeah, the, hopefully uh, it's out there. But. I had the uh, the box set on DVD, and it was uh, everything was R-rated, I think. I think they're coming out with a new Blu-ray set for Friday yeah, the 13th. Yeah, they are. Um, the entire series from 1 to the remake. That's including, awesome. Including Freddy vs. So, and I think there's all new bonus content on there. So. Yeah, I might have to check that out. I'm a, out of all of the the slasher series for some reason. Friday Thirteenth always that's that's always been my favorite. Yeah, so that's uh, besides Wolverine and uh, that was the last new one. But there are stuff that are opening now that people should check out. Active Killing, um, which I'm seriously thinking I should probably bump up to a ten out of ten because I can't stop talking about it. I, I've I rated that a ten out of ten. I think. Uh, and uh, Spectacular Now, which is playing limited. And um, I definitely like that a lot more than Gina did. And uh, Europa Report, which is uh, just opening up in theaters, mm-hmm. uh, which is not VOD. So that's definitely worth checking out. Yeah, Active Killing is not available yet on VOD, but I think that it will be very soon. They want to they wanna get a uh, at least, I think, two, two weeks or something in theaters so they can be mm-hmm. eligible for... Uh, Oscar nominations. Yeah, right. Well, I would say right now, if it is, it's probably a shoe in. I mean, it's. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you go back and listen, like Kevin and I did a quick review of it. I think last week, I want to say, and uh, yeah, it's definitely. I mean, I th- I honestly think that it's probably one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. Mm. So it's be just because there's nothing like it i mean we can't stop talking about it yeah it's like every time a friend of mine yesterday a friend of mine told me about it we we're like talking for like a half an hour <laughs> like it's like yeah what did you think of this what did you think of that how did you read in this how did you read that can you believe this it's like it's like, it's like oh it's like i can't believe it it's like, <laughs> yeah it's it's so, a truly unbelievable film that just needs to be seen by everybody mm-hmm. yeah just be be warned it's not an easy movie to sit through no i can't see I saw it at home. They sent us a screener and I, there's, I was, as I was watching it, especially that final scene, I was Mm. like, there's no way I'd be able to see this in the theater. No way. Oh my God. And, uh, yeah, when I saw it in the theater, people were walking out well before that scene, but I just remember that scene. I was like, all kinds of emotions were running through me. Like, I feel sorry for this guy. Why? I shouldn't be feeling sorry for this guy. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) And I'm thinking, if only he, if only he did knew this now, he wouldn't have done what he did in the past. I mean, it would have saved all those people, but at least those few people he, he was with. That like, 
like all an emotional gamut, then you're just like put to the ringer after you leave. You're like, I need a shower. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, uh, it's pretty intense. All right, uh, anything else? Yeah, that's about it for what I've seen lately. Uh, once I get settled in, I'll get back to my usual routine of movie watching. <laughs> I got a I got a ton of stuff here. Uh, some of these you've seen. Um, the first thing I saw, and I don't, I don't know if you got a chance to see this yet, Fruitvale Station. No, I haven't got to see it yet. I think that this is probably going to be one of my top top movies of the year. I thought it was absolutely incredible. I I cannot recommend this movie enough. It's it seems kind of sad and coincidental that this movie comes out now. You know, with this whole uh-huh. Trayvon Martin thing. Right. And uh we got I got Gina to to review this on the site and and her opinions in the her review are pretty much the same as mine. Um I, I was pretty much I mean it's it's very emotional. It's a very heart-wrenching film. I mean, it's something that you know, you know the outcome of it at the beginning mm-hmm. of the film because they show the actual video of what happens. Uh, right. And so you you know what happens. And as the film progresses, it's, it just goes through a day in the life of this guy. And he's such a nice guy. And you like him so much. And he just seems like a genuinely good person. And his family uh, are all just such good people. And they, they're, they're so caring and loving to each other. And to have something like this happen, which is like just the most mm. senseless you know, act of mm. violence. And it's just completely heart-wrenching and, and uh, it's all it's all true that's yeah, the sad part of yeah. it so and uh i i cannot recommend it enough it, this is playing i think nationwide so yeah definitely ghost i would say go see this quickly because it's not the type of movie that stays in theaters very long uh then i saw justice league the flashpoint paradox which is uh the newest straight to dvd um DC animated movie mm-hmm. and it's uh, basically an adaptation of the Flashpoint arc that happened right before DC uh, got rid of did their whole reboot and started everything over from the beginning right this is it's decent it's not I was hoping that it would be animated just like all the other ones where it's sort of like the Young Justice or Justice League Unlimited cartoons mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with that uh you know, old style uh, Batman the Animated Series look, but it's right. it's not. This is actually a- anime, so oh. it's mm. got a very Japanese feel to it. Okay, and it it actually works pretty good. The animation is quite good. The story itself is okay. One of the things that I thought was really surprising was how violent it is. I mean, this is not for kids. Most of these Justice League uh, DC cartoons are suitable for kids. But I mean, there's like heads being cut off in this. And I remember a friend of mine mentioning is like, yeah, it's kind of violent. I'm like, really? (laughs) I was I was genuinely surprised at the level of violence in this in this. But I thought it was okay. I mean, it's if you're into especially if you're into the Flash, like I'm Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of the Flash. So it deals a lot with the Flash. So it's the the last was it the last DC Comics one I saw was Batman Year One. So yeah, I saw I saw that. I saw the first. Oh wait, Year One. Yeah, um, I saw that. 
that wasn't the other one. The other one was uh, the Dark Knight Returns. Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. I think which that was is, the last one I saw. Which is now being reissued as the full complete <laughs> yeah, yeah. movie instead of the one part one, part two. I only saw part one. I didn't like it, so I didn't watch part two. Oh. Hmm. Um, then I saw a French film called Sexual Chronicles of a French Family. Have you seen this? Nope. First I heard of it. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of this really bizarre uh, tale of just, I mean, the, the title says it all. It's It chronicles the lives of a French family and how they, each of them, deal with sex and where they're at in their sexual relationships. So, like, there's a there's a young youngest son who's, like, 17 and he's desperately trying to get laid. And then there's the, the, the mother and father who are, they have a fairly healthy sexual relationship. And then there's, like, the adopted sister who's kind of a slut. And then there's the older brother who's, he, he only has, he, he's bi and he only has sex if it's with another girl and guy. And basically, I mean, it, it's sort of a softcore porn. I mean, that's pretty hmm. much what it is. It's really, <laughs> like, it's like really the... light on story, and yeah. there's not a whole lot of like character development or anything. It's just very matter of fact. Like this is what they're doing. If they're if it's not a sex scene in the movie, then it's them having a conversation about sex. So so there's like no ultimate like lesson to be learned or no character, not, no character not, catharsis or anything like that not no. really i mean like the kid gets the, the kid finally has sex and you know there's a, a bit of growth there i guess but not a lot to it other than so, tons so and tons of so weird a lot of awkward sex going on and um and i don't know if this is true but i did read several places that it is un, unsimulated sex so they're actually hmm. having sex in the movie and it's very so it's very graphic uh almost Lars von Trier-esque eh, leave it to the French <laughs> yeah and this is actually playing on Netflix instant so you can oh really yeah you can wow. check you can check it out on there <laughs> I guess it's better watching at home than seeing it in the theater because everybody be looking at you funny <laughs> <laughs> yeah what's uh, that that solo guy doing <laughs> yeah exactly uh, then I saw Drug War, Johnny Toe. Oh, you finally got to see that. Cool. Yeah, I I like this a whole lot. I'm a big fan of Johnny Toe, mm. so I was I was already on board from the beginning. But I haven't seen anything of uh, from him in quite a long time. And my personal favorite movie of his is still Full Time Killer. But um, I this was really good. Yeah, yeah. yeah the acting between uh, the uh captain and the uh ken or, or whatever he was was just like amazing yeah i thought i thought it was it was really good but my favorite scene in the movie without giving too much away was um they have to go undercover to get mm-hmm. information yeah. and and uh the captain is forced to do something that he knows is against the law in order to not blow his cover and then that how the whole scene unfolds was like yeah, I thought it was that was that was great. <laughs> I thought it was great. I, I loved pretty much every kind of like set piece that they did. You know, all the undercover stuff, the surveillance stuff, all of mm-hmm. that. The final scene. Uh, I'm not going to say anything about the final scene, but 
It's a Johnny Toe movie, so obviously there's a big the, action scene at the end. The, the shootout or the actual final, final, final shot? The, the shootout. <laughs> okay. Not the very final, although that was yeah. pretty epic too. That's That scene was so amazing, that whole shootout. There, yeah. there's a there's a specific scene, and I I don't think it's any kind of spoiler. Where there's three cars that all smash into each other, and all three cars are shooting at each, the people in the cars are shooting at each other. Do you remember mm-hmm. that? It yeah, was yeah. so crazy looking, and I I just thought that that was so awesome. But highly recommend Drug War. That's actually playing um, in select cities right now. Yeah, I think that just opened in L.A. So. Uh, Forbidden World was my next film. This was my Grindhouse Weekly feature, so I'm not going to talk at length about it. I, it was pretty lame. Mm. It was an alien ripoff. It was produced I, by Roger it, Corman. Yeah, Can, I can't remember if I've seen it. I've like, I probably confused it with a different, maybe. No, wait. Yeah, I didn't see it because I think they used the same exact alien in Galaxy of Terror. <laughs> it, it came out, yeah. It came out, I think, right, right after Galaxy of Terror, or right around the same time, and it's very similar to Galaxy of Terror. Oftentimes, like on DVD releases, they're they're together. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's not very good. I hated it actually. <laughs> the editing in it is so ridiculous. Throughout the entire movie, there's these like crazy flashes of other scenes in the movie, and it's just nonstop. And it's the 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 film itself is so dark you can't see what the hell's going on. And I watched this on Netflix, so maybe it was just the Netflix yeah, copy, yeah. but yeah. I don't think so. I think it's just that it's huh. extremely dark. So I can't recommend Forbidden World. If you want to read more about that, I do have the uh, uh, bigger article on the site about that. James Cameron did the set design for that. Hmm. Uh, then I saw The Lifeguard, which is uh, the new indie... Hey, Kristen Bell? Yeah, with Kristen Bell. Did not like this either. Uh, <laughs> I reviewed this for the site. I didn't particularly want to watch it to begin with, but uh, we got a screener, so I figured what the hell. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty much a by-the-numbers indie film. I mean, it's like they when they were making this, it was like they had a checklist, and they went down, and they were like, okay, we got the indie rock music, we got the melodramatic you know moments we got the kind of crazy taboos that we cover it was very very generic yeah i saw the trailer for it i'm like "Mm, whatever (laughs) i mean it's a really good performance by Kristen bell um which is unfortunate because the movie itself is just so boring and typical but Mm-hmm. Great performance by her. So if you're if you're a fan of hers, I would say maybe check it out. But uh, then I saw Byzantium, which is the new the latest uh, Neil Neil Jordan. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, totally. I completely missed that one. It was playing out here, and um, I think I ended up at Comic Con when it opened up, so I couldn't see it. Yeah, it's um, it's good. I liked it actually quite a bit. I was surprised. I am completely tired of vampire stories. <laughs> like I'm just. I'm done with vampire stuff. And then I saw this movie and I was like, hey, you know what? This was okay. The big thing about it is the visuals. I mean, this movie looks great. And there's a lot of there's a lot of really cool flashbacks that go way back like 200 years into the past and they look all they look great. 
the story itself is fairly compelling. So I was on board with this. I I do I do recommend it. And it's it's not like True Blood or Twilight or any of that like teen centric mm. stuff. I mean, this is a bloody violent movie. It's like more in line with interview. Yeah, I mean, uh, the White Worm or something like that. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be some obvious comparisons to Interview with a Vampire, and it is it is very similar to Interview with a Vampire. So if you liked that one, you'll probably like this one. It's a more contemporary setting, obviously, but yeah, I definitely recommend it. And the last one I saw is Touchy Feely, which is the new Lynn Shelton movie. Uh, this is the one. It's this is currently playing on demand. It's with uh, Rosemary DeWitt, uh, Allison Janney's in it, Ron Livingston, Scoot McNary, Ellen Page, and Josh uh, Pace, who you may not know by name, but he's a character actor and he's in a ton of stuff. Uh, he's he's like one of those guys where every time you see him, you know him, but you don't know his name. Right, right. And I'll I'll say that his his role in this was by far the best part of the movie. I mean, he was the standout. Like, easily. Great job. I didn't like the movie at all, though. <laughs> uh, again, it this, happens. Again, this was... <laughs> I actually liked Your Sister's Sister quite a bit. Okay. But I was not I was not entirely on board with this. There was just too many storylines that were happening, and none of them... It, it didn't really feel very cohesive. It was just kind of all over the place. Mm. And... Uh, yeah, it's unfortunate. I like Lynn Shelton, but I just couldn't get behind this movie. I didn't think it was that funny. I thought Josh Pace was funny, but right. to call it a comedy, I don't know. It seems like a bit of a stretch. Uh, that's all I saw. Let's move on to predictions. Last week, uh, since Kevin was here, we predicted the Smurfs 2 and 2 Guns. For the Smurfs 2, I said 15% on Rotten Tomatoes. He said 10 Actual score, 12. So he he won that one. Right in the uh, middle. Two guns. Yeah, that was close. Two guns. I said 46. He said 42. Actual, 58. So that was one yeah. and one. Next week, we got uh, quite a few releases, actually. I think some of these are coming out in the middle of the week. But uh, we have Percy Jackson, Sea of Monsters. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about this one? Well, the first one I never saw in the theater, and the first time I saw it was at my, my sister's house, and I was asking my niece, I was like, what are we watching? <laughs> it's Percy Jackson. I'm like, oh, it's that movie. <laughs> so, yeah, I didn't even know they were going to make a sequel. So, um, 12. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say, uh, say 25. I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, it's like, did we real? Did people really want the sequel? <laughs> I don't think so. Like, I forgot. I forgot that that movie existed, and then I saw the trailer for the sequel, and I was like, "Oh, I mean, did it even do well enough to warrant a sequel?" I'm like, <laughs> "Yeah, I don't even know how well it did. I don't oh. even know. I think the first one came out like right around. There was like a big push." for like these fantasy movies. I think the first one came out like when wrath of the Titans and maybe one of those Narnia movies was coming out. Mm. And it was just like, I feel like for like one or two years, it was just like nothing. Everything we were getting was like, I guess it was the whole yeah. Harry Potter thing. I guess that's probably, what, and maybe Lord of the Rings was making that happen. But mm. uh, 
Then we have We're the Millers. Uh, I I don't think this is going to be good. I'm going to say like 36. Yeah, I'd say about 24. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yep, I'm going low because it looks bad to me. So. <laughs> yeah, it does. It looks pretty bad. Uh, then we have Elysium. Uh, this one I'm actually very excited for. Mm-hmm. I was a big fan of District 9, and uh, I, I like, what's his name, Neil Blomkamp? Uh, Neil Blomkamp. Yeah. I like uh, I like him, so I, I think that this one's going to be pretty good. What are you thinking on Elysium? Um, I think it'll be good. District 9 good, so I'll probably go 61. 61? Okay. Uh, that's probably around where I'm sitting. I'm going to say 63 on that one. I did notice that it was rated, uh, got an R rating by the MPAA. So I was fully expecting it to be a kind of PG 13, you know, Mm -hmm. popcorn movie, but I guess not. Uh, then we have Disney's planes. Mm -hmm. Uh, this was supposed to be a, straight to dvd release did you hear about this um yeah back, yeah it was, it was supposed to be it was supposed to be straight to dvd and i guess at the last second they decided to put it out in theaters remember so, the toy story 3 was supposed to be was, to be straight to was it yeah the re- initially toy story 3 was going to be a straight to video release and then regime changed and um uh, lassiter said we're putting this on hold. This scrapping everything. Oh, so they so, okay. So they they totally redid it and uh, made it made it what it was. So. Okay, so they redid it. I don't think they redid planes. But prob- probably not. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say like fifteen. Well, considering it's a spinoff of my two least favorite Pixar movies, and it's not and even, it's not even Pixar that made it. Yeah, yeah, and uh, Cars Two is the only Pixar movie I did not like at all. <laughs> So, and, and Dane Cook is one of the voices. And that makes it even better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm probably, I'll say 18. Wait, what did you I said 15. Yeah, I'll go 18. Also, in limited release, we have Kid Thing, which is, uh, I, I saw this. This is actually on demand right now. Probably light recommend. It's kind of an interesting little movie. I Give It a Year, which is also on demand. In a World, which kind of curious to check that out mm-hmm. uh and then jug face which you can go and listen to our interview with the director and that's also on demand we interviewed him last week what i'm also going to start doing from this week on is going over upcoming video on demand releases because there's a lot of uh like pre-theatrical stuff that comes out on vod and right. i do want to mention it because a lot of times it's it's hard to find out when this stuff is coming out Mm-hmm. So I do want to mention some of the stuff. It's uh, going in the direction that Spielberg and is talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Well, especially VOD. because this week Paramount announced that uh, they're going to be releasing. They're they're doing a uh, day and date VOD stuff now. So Paramount is on board mm-hmm. with that. They weren't doing that before. Before you know, it was just the smaller companies. So now we're getting some big dogs oh. in there. Are we uh, talking about the or like the independent type? Like uh, it'll, yeah, it'll just be indies, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. It won't be big stuff. 
But so VOD releases next week. We have The Invader, which I actually haven't heard too much about, other than it's been getting some buzz. It's a foreign film, um, and it's mm-hmm. kind of it looks like sort of a, a revenge thriller, sort of, but it looks very art house. So I'm I'm interested in that. Uh, Prince Avalanche, which is David Gordon Green's latest, um, mm. which I did see at South by, and that's I definitely recommend that. Lovelace, which is the um, that biopic with Amanda Seyfried, vaguely interested in that. And uh, one that I'm actually quite interested in is called The Conspiracy. Have you yeah. seen anything about this? Uh, no. It's a found footage, or it's a mockumentary rather, about uh, this these guys that track down this like conspiracy theorist, and then he goes missing, and then they try to find him and uncover like who who took him away and stuff. looks looks pretty cool. Hmm. Uh, DVD and Blu-ray releases next week. This is for Tuesday, August sixth, two thousand thirteen. We have Absence, which uh, I hated. Probably one of the worst movies of the year. I think Gina gave it a one, maybe even a point five. <laughs> I don't know. I, I know that she ripped it apart. It's really bad. Really, really bad. Uh, Aftershock, which is the Nicholas Lopez, Eli Roth produced horror film. Did you see this one? No, I didn't get to see it. No, came yeah, you're, not, here. you're not missing much. I didn't, I didn't like that. Antiviral, which is the Brandon Cronenberg film, which I actually liked quite a bit. I liked that mm. a lot, actually. I want to see that again. Uh, Mud, which I also liked a lot. It's the Jeff Nichols. Yeah, I heard it was pretty good. Not not that into the mud? Oh, I'm kidding. I gave it like an eight and a half. Oh, did you? Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, I thought I thought uh, you gave that a pretty high score. Mm. That was being sarcastic. That's, that's still one of my favorites of the year. Yeah, it's definitely out there. Uh, Oblivion, which uh, I didn't didn't like that too much at all. Well, if you see After Love, Oblivion, because Oblivion is miles better. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see After Earth, so. And I, I saw Oblivion, like, way late. I saw, like, weeks after it came out originally. But uh, Miamiville Horror, which is the documentary. I'm I'm interested in that, too. I, I definitely, definitely recommend that one. Yeah, I want to see that. And uh, Magic Magic, which is the one with Michael Sarah. Directed by the same guy that uh, did Crystal Fairy. Yeah, I'm curious to see this one because I was not fond of Crystal Fairy. So. Yeah, this is uh, completely different. It's a horror movie. And, yeah, that's right here. And I guess they they shot both those movies back to back in same locations and everything. So mm. that'll be interesting to to see that. I haven't seen Crystal Fairy, so I don't know, but. All right, I think that that covers it. For all the latest film news and reviews, visit us at filmpulse.net. Send us uh, an email, feedback at filmpulse.net. Follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net. And be sure to rate us on iTunes. We appreciate that very much. For filmpulse.net, my name is Adam. And this is Ernie. And we will see you on Thursday for Ryan Watches a Movie.